Hi and welcome to Social Work Sorted, the podcast. I'm Vicky Shevlin. I host this podcast and I lead Social Work Sorted, which is an online platform of resources for newly qualified social workers. I'm a social worker myself. I've previously worked in child protection, care proceedings, and as a child protection conference chair. If you are new to this podcast, you are so welcome. All the information for how to get in touch with me, follow me, access a lot of the resources that I have, they're all in the show notes. And if you are coming back to this podcast, then it's so nice to have you here. In this episode, I'm talking about four practical practical strategies for self-care and you will know if you've listened to anything that I say about self-care I always caveat this with a bit of a clarification of what we mean because even the term self-care that word self it connects us back to these ideas of individualism that it is our personal responsibility to look after ourselves when in actual fact I think within social work we want to be moving towards collective care The problems that are associated with burnout, often the reason why we are looking after ourselves or the reason why we're implementing self-care is because we want to avoid burnout. All those issues are entirely connected to our absolute joke of a government currently in the UK. That's where I'm based if you're listening from overseas. And after over a decade of austerity, cuts to services, so many other things that are significantly impacting the job that social workers are trying to do, It's really important that we offer context around a conversation of self-care, which I think maybe when I started out, I didn't do enough and I'm really conscious that I want to do more of that. I'm really passionate about meditation and mindfulness, but I'm also very realistic about the way that self-care is packaged. Meditation and mindfulness have a growing evidence base of physiological benefits. It's why if you've been to any of my masterclasses, any of my training, if you're part of the collective, you will know that that is a huge part of me, who I am and what I offer alongside training and resources. But you cannot breathe your way out of a dangerously high caseload. You cannot meditate and fix the problem of a manager who isn't available to you. So why am I talking about practical strategies for self-care then? Well, although we cannot solve a lot of the issues that are happening and contributing to burnout overnight, there are always going to be things that you can do today, tomorrow, next week that will make a difference. So these are just some reminders in case you need them this month. January can be a really difficult month. It's darker nights. We're generally supposed to be hibernating at this time of year but capitalism doesn't allow for it it can be a really difficult time in social work you are dealing with lots of things that have come up over Christmas schools go back so levels of referrals increase so if you are finding that that is all overwhelming you just need something to come back and center yourself hopefully this podcast will be the place so four practical strategies you can do to start taking care of yourself the first one is to book some annual leave-in some of you may have done this already which is great but quite often and I know I definitely used to do this I would try and save up my annual leave for specific times or specific times of the year and actually then it would lead me to working an incredible amount of time without a proper break beyond a weekend so start thinking about your annual leave and how you can map that out across the year can you book in any long weekends or book off rather can you book off random days in the week sometimes you might be in a situation where you need to save your holidays, your annual leave for caring responsibilities, whether that is school holidays, whether that is other responsibilities that you have, but maybe it's possible for you to plan at least a one-off day now because you know you're going to accrue toil, which is time owed in leave, 
throughout the year, which you'll be able to maybe add or take additional days off. But at least when you have those long weekends booked in, when you've got that one random day in the week that you know you've got off work, you have something to look forward to rather than going between now and July without any time for yourself. The second thing I would do or focus on is to have something outside of social work. I know that the ASYE can be all encompassing. I know that because my membership is open to students as well, I know that studying, being on placement, just trying to get through it all can take over your entire life. But it's really important that you try and force your way outside of it. Make plans for after work. Have something that takes your mind off work. It is never too late to start something new, whether that is... I don't know, learning a language or an instrument, or even if it's something just like going for a walk with your friends or making sure that you book dinner in with your friends. It sounds like the most basic thing in the world, but I definitely found as a newly qualified social worker, I was creeping in to working later in the evenings or sometimes I was so tired from the day of work and from talking to people I really didn't want to interact with anybody at the end of the day and sometimes you need to have that time for you but if I didn't have things planned in in the week Monday to Friday would go by and I wouldn't have anything to show for it in terms of my personal life And I know that I'm far more likely to do those things if I book them in in advance. So is there something you can have outside of social work that is completely set? I guess it's about that thing, you know, do you live to work or do you work to live? And having things that are outside of work means it doesn't take over your whole life. And it's okay, it doesn't have to take over your whole life. There are other things that are important to you as well. The fourth thing, and this is kind of around taking care of yourself and creating that distance between work is work clothes. Now this might be a strange one, but I have been thinking about the amount of time that it takes me to think about what to wear for a day at work, like the mental energy of thinking about that. Is it possible for you to have some stock outfits for work that you don't care about wearing again, you don't mind repeating them, you've got comfy clothes, you've got things that are really practical, but also things that you can keep separately to create a bit of a mental distance between your job and between work. I used to do this and it really helped me create that distance. And again, this might not be for everybody, but in terms of looking after myself, in terms of trying to compartmentalize certain parts of me being in work and being out of work, what I was wearing was a big part of that. And in a similar sense, being really intentional about your working space. So a lot of people are still working from home sometimes, sometimes you're going into the office, but when you are at work, can you do anything about the space that you are in to make it as nice as it possibly can be? Even if you are hot desking, is there anything that you can have that is yours that makes you feel a little bit more calmer at work? I always used to be the person with some sort of like essential oil as if that was gonna solve everybody's problems. But can you do something for yourself in a sensory way that can make your work environment that little bit better? Can you bring yourself some really nice herbal tea in? Like whatever it is that just makes your workday slightly more enjoyable, do it because you are sat at that desk long enough. I also say this when we're thinking in sensory terms of bringing you, like having headphones and playing your favorite music in instead of hearing the office chatter or if somebody in the office is particularly negative and maybe they're having a really difficult day but you actually can't take on their energy because that's for that your manager it's not for you as a newly qualified social worker 
What can you bring into your working space that's gonna make that a bit better? And when you are working from home, how can you be intentional about that working space? So I've spoke to social workers before on here that, you know, make sure that when they are finished working, they pack everything up into their work bag or their laptop bag and they put it away in a wardrobe or put it in a cupboard so it's not out there. So when you are setting up to work at home, if you are setting up to work at home, making that space again as nice as possible. Where I live now, this is the first time I've ever had a separate place to do any kind of work. Prior to this year, it was the kitchen table, which was always covered in piles of washing because you know, everything goes through the washing, supposed to be ironed, never gets ironed, thrown on the floor, thrown back in the wardrobe cycle in my house. But if I was going to be working, I couldn't have anything around the desk because I know it would distract me or I'd be thinking about all the washing that I needed to do. So moving that away, it would usually be to a bedroom floor somewhere, but moving it away and making that space as clear and calm as it possibly can be because our environments do affect us. And I know I'm on a major one with decluttering this month, which you'll know if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, but these are the tiny things that you can do to make the smallest bit of difference of your day. And in a job of social work, where there is so much that we cannot control, so much that's going to come at us in a day that we're not expecting, that we have to manage, I really like to think about the things that I can control, the things that I can make slightly more predictable, and the tiny ways that I can bring a little bit of joy into my day and into the day of others. Because coming back to that idea of self-care... The opposite kind of of self-care is that collective care. So all these things you can adapt and you can bring into your team. You know, if you're making your desk or your workspace really nice, what can you do for other people? What can you do within the office that's going to make it a little bit calmer? What can you contribute to the office environments? Just going to make somebody's day that slight bit better. Are you going to notice when somebody is on an extra long phone call or meeting and make them a cup of tea that they didn't ask for, but you know that they desperately need? It doesn't have to be massive, but it's just those small things that can have a ripple effect. So whilst I'm talking about all these things you can do for yourself, I also want to bring you to that idea of collective care. I really hope this has been helpful for you. Sometimes we just need those reminders. And to be honest, I write the notes for my podcast because I need those reminders myself as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you are part of my membership, The Collective, none of these ideas will be new to you. But if you are listening for the first time or you're not sure what The Collective is, it is an online membership open to newly qualified social workers and student social workers if you are in your second or third year. The intention of the collective is getting you through your first year in social work without burnout, building skills that will last you a lifetime, whether you decide to stay within social work or you move beyond it. When you join the collective, you access a huge hub of bite-sized video resources that are between 10 and 20 minutes long, focusing in areas like direct work, legislation, policy, home visits, writing case notes. There are digital downloads looking at pre-birth assessments, managing meetings and home visit example templates with example case notes in them as well. We have a private Facebook group, which is growing and growing from members that use Facebook, but that is a way that you can access me and ask me any questions, request training, request resources, and also meet and connect with each other. 
And every single month we have a live call. So that is an opportunity for a Q&A in person. So our next live call, which is the 24th of January, next week, if you're listening to this in real time, is all about the possibilities of social work. Because I think that for you to get through your ASYE and to get through that with some positivity, it's important for you to know what is on the other side of that. And I'm really passionate about the fact that social work can open so many doors. It isn't just about child protection. I know that's what I do. That's what I teach and what I train but I have known and worked with social workers in so many different fields. I've interviewed so many social workers who have gone on to have careers in all different areas and because you are part of the collective, you are able to access me and all that information, all that career advice. I will always be honest with you and if people are in the position, which I know some of my members are, of looking at applying for jobs or going for interviews, it's also a really good opportunity for me to share tips for applications and interview skills. And like I said, it is also open. And like I said, members can come to those live Zooms and ask me anything. Pajamas are encouraged. This is about you having a safe online space that doesn't feel too heavy. You can arrive after a long day at work and take what you need. So all those things available inside the collective. It's £15 a month. It's a monthly subscription. You are not tied in because that's a really important part of it for me. So if there is a month where it is not financially possible for you, if there is a month where you feel like you've taken everything that you need, you're never going to be locked into a membership. But for those people who have that or want that throughout their entire ASYE, it is a rolling subscription. In addition to the training that I run inside the collective, I also have CPD accredited training coming up. This is focusing on assessment skills. So anybody who is undertaking child and family assessment, it is a one day five module training course that as I said is CPD accredited again all the information for that is in the show notes but you can attend as an individual or local authorities universities organizations can book on their employees to join that training to help them build their confidence increase the quality of their child and family assessments which we know has a knock-on effect throughout the whole process of working with a social And if you're listening and you want to connect with me, if you want to talk to me about any of the resources that are available, if you just want to have an informal chat, you can drop me an email, vicky at socialworksorted.com. As I do at the end of every podcast, I want to invite you to take a deep breath, closing your eyes if you feel comfortable, relaxing your shoulders, smiling, to relax your jaw and just enjoy this tiny pause in the day for you, knowing that you can come back to it anytime you need. Thank you for listening. Take care and see you soon.